I got bumps. <clears throat> How you said that before you could see any bumps? No, I didn't. The hmm. well, okay, yes, that was I literally did. the first. I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. It's time for episode number 306 of Video Games Hot Dog, a podcast about video games. Where only half of us are sick. That's true. Uh, Kevin and I are finally almost over being sick. Um, Jim's car is sick, so Jim is recording remotely. And uh, Riff lives in a sick town. I was going to say sick abs. (laughs) Yeah, Riff has... In a manner of speaking, yes, my abs are sick. (laughs) (laughs) Did, Did you catch... Did you do like a Kingdom of Loathing podcast and catch what Zach and Kevin had over the podcast? <laughs> oh man, if we could just transmit the virus through the the wires. Oh, yeah. We could <clears throat> the, we the, could charge extortion from people. This podcast would go viral. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, that sucked. That might hurt our Patreon numbers. Real sick for a long time. Yeah. It was just like a shitty cold, but it was like... It was debilitating. It was debilitating. It was weird. It... Ugh. Like, it was like every other day debilitating was the main problem. So, like, Like you'd feel feel just good enough to try to have a normal day, but then the next day you were just fucked in half again. By bees. Yeah. Was that because you were overexerting on the day you felt better? Probably. And drinking (laughs) on the days that I felt better was probably also a part of the problem. Maybe. How have you been, Jim? Oh, man. Uh, Car broke down. Uh, It's probably just a battery thing. Uh, I've been been trying to pick up guitar again, uh, which is is fun. Like, I haven't played... I haven't actually been, like, doing music stuff since I started doing game stuff full-time, just because, like... These were my two creative outlets, and now since people actually care about one of them, I don't, like, have as much impetus to do the other, but I've just been, like, I got to the point where, like, I'm 38, probably pretty soon it's going to be impossible for me to learn muscle memory tasks. I'd better learn this fucking thing soon. Wow, that's depressing. Don't say that. (laughs) I mean, you don't think it's already too late to some extent? Your brain is not plastic. no, No, I mean, so, like... I, I, it's, it's certainly not like a hard cliff or if it's a cliff, I haven't hit the cliff yet. Um, but I just decided like, you know what, if I'm going to be learning these skills better sooner than later. Yeah, so I just true. like, um, I, uh, I played, you know, some as a kid without really knowing what I was doing, just kind of just like working out some chords and not really knowing what to do with my right hand. Um, and, um, the first thing I did was like, okay, what's, how do you, how do you fucking strum a guitar? How do you like actually take a pick and move your right hand such that it sounds like music? Um, and I was, I was playing what felt like music in like an hour, which is something I've never done with a guitar before. So that's kind of amazing. Well, that's good. So had you just not really, I mean, where did you get before now? With a guitar. It's hard to, to like, think about it because, like, so I never I never learned to use a pick. I started out on a classical guitar. <laughs> I was going to say, I started out with a guitar hero. <laughs> <laughs> I started out with a classical guitar with his finger picked and just, like, messed around with that. And, you know, you could I could play some stuff. Um, you, you, can, you can strum the strings on a classical guitar. That's true. You don't, it's you don't true. have to finger pick everything. They're really far apart, though, so it takes a really long time to <laughs> strum them. Right, you got to... <laughs> 
You gotta start like an hour before you want the. <laughs> it's like dealing with controller lag. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it was just like I, I, for some reason, it just finally clicked that like, why don't I just do things the way everybody else does them, and then it might <laughs> sound good instead of just like in, insisting on trying to do my own weird thing. So you went back to age fifteen and took some guitar lessons. Well, by I, by took some guitar lessons, I mean I spoke to a friend who plays for an hour, and then I went off and did stuff, and it sounded good. So, like, your, your friend plays guitar for an hour. Well, like, no, that that me, I'm the one who plays not, for an hour. I, I, ah, okay. <laughs> no, I spoke right. to him for an hour. I see. Yeah. Um. Then I was like too self conscious to actually play in front of him, so he kept like demonstrating things, and I would just sit there with a guitar in my lap and not do it back because I, so like that didn't work out so well, but you know, as soon as he was gone, I could play. And the self-consciousness was just because you didn't want to embarrass yourself in front of your friend who could play guitar for an hour. Yeah. And also this is, this is also why like learning to play an instrument is really dumb because I'll never be able to play in front of anybody. Well, if you get really good or maybe you'll get so good, you'll, You'll be playing so much guitar that you won't even realize that you're doing it, yeah. and you'll just be wandering out in the world. But you're never going to be able to play the guitar as long as those guys in the videos of guys playing the guitar that you watch, though. So, you, you know, <laughs> it's very true. you're never going to be able to do it professionally. Right. You can always just record yourself playing guitar for 10,000 hours privately in a small room and then publish the best hour of it. I mean, that that's historically what I've done whenever I've made music. Yeah, editing music and then releasing it, that way nobody can tell how bad you are exactly. at it. And like yeah. how many tries it took to do everything. That's yeah. really the way to do it. But yeah, you can't ever you can't ever really become a successful musician that way, I don't think. I mean, cuz even like whereas that is the way that say Trent Reznor made most of the early 9-inch nails stuff, he also had like a band that he could play live with and he was also a, a you know, a, a classically trained pianist who could then perform yeah, I, music live, which uh, wouldn't work. There was like a window of like 40 or 50 years where you could like be a musician that was making a musician living by just putting out records. Um, but now that's not true anymore. Certainly. Like if you want to be, if you want to be making a living, you need to be playing concerts. And I think in order to be a successful musician, you also have to be like 99th percentile attractive. <laughs> you were saying 99 years old. Yeah, you have to be 99 years old because only 99 year olds are the have the most experience playing. So they get that one year at the end of their life. Um, you know, yeah, each like, man has allotted his five score. Certainly, like I, I've heard plenty of music that is as good as what is on the radio, but is not the thing that's currently popular. Like. I, if I were working at, at a record label deciding who to sign, like, there are so many incredible musicians out there, why would you go with the one that is not incredibly attractive as well? Mm. Yeah. Well, have you considered getting way more attractive? Uh, it, that's been something I've actually been kind of working on for a while. It's tough. It's like, yeah. it's one of those things that, like, if I were to, willing to put way more effort into it than I am, I could probably do okay. But, like, I've got shit to do. <laughs> yeah. The other option is to um, have some sort of, like, shtick. Like, you could dress up in uh, 
dragon outfit. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, something you dress, weird dress up like a frog. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. I guess like Ray Stevens wasn't all that attractive. <laughs> Guar not very attractive. And, oh sure. Yeah. 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 There's the costume. Uh, you could like Millie Vanilli. It. You could find an attractive person that could guitar like pretend to play a guitar while you played a guitar <laughs> backstage right. that would also solve the playing in front of people problem right yeah, yeah. Mm. that would kind of i think i would still be nervous yeah that's what i was i mean if it's if you're performing live if people can hear you yeah man i hate playing music where anyone uh, can hear it it sucks yeah. you're it, we're at the point where you could probably have a really attractive avatar on stage Okay, like a hologram, like a hologram version of you that was just mo-capped. Yeah, you could so be, like you could be one of the holograms. You could yeah. you could join Jim in the holograms. Okay. Oh, oh Jim in the holograms. Sure. No, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jim. Jim, Jim, yeah. I can't also be well, one of the holograms. Ah, oh, god, Kevin can't tell the difference. <laughs> Shit. Is that not how it's always been? <laughs> anyway, uh <clears throat> So you've been playing guitar. Yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but working on that bard F chord, it's a bitch. I think you have to be a bard. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, it's been a problem. That's that's like the level level two or three skill. It's like bonus a dual class issue, yeah. right? I never. That's kind of where I ran out of guitar. I, I never got chords? to the point where I could do a bar like where I could. I mean, I can play a bar chord, but I can't transition to it quickly like i can't incorporate a bar chord into a progression yep that's where i am too yeah um i think that's just real hard shit bar chords Mm -hmm. it i think it's especially hard on uh some guitars and not on others like it's harder on guitars that have strings that are like it's harder guitars that have strings (laughs) yeah yeah, it's it's real easy to pretend to switch to a bar chord on a guitar that they've taken the strings off of. Yeah, uh, as a to protect you from as a yourself, <laughs> to protect the audience from you. Uh, it's like the controller that's not plugged in that you hand to your little brother, so he thinks he's right. he's playing. You could play, uh, I think, like a, one of those guitars that has like laser beams instead of strings. Uh, it'd be pretty easy to play a bar chord. Oh, I wonder. Mm. And accidentally slice your fingers off. Oh, well, yeah. not that, not that kind of laser beams. Uh, I only know but one it, kind of laser beam. <laughs> but then, if you uh, if you played it at an airplane, you'd get arrested. Right. Does the oh, sound so also come out as lasers? It, if you played it with Jefferson Airplane, <laughs> would you get arrested? Oh man, yeah, you probably by, would. By the Although I don't think they're called. They're especially. <laughs> they're especially not called Jefferson Airplane anymore, though. They were. Jefferson Starship oh, and then just right. Starship. Oh, because now, of all the lasers, it all makes yeah. sense. Yeah, well, it's, it's no. Remember, it's not the it's not the airplanes that the it's the problem. You, you can't point lasers at Stone Temple Pilots. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? Did the guy from Stone Temple Pilots die? I have no idea. I'm pretty sure that the lead singer of Stone Temple Pilots died. Of I mean, overdose. Like 10 I think years ago. every singer from the '90s is dead now. So. <laughs> Okay, the guy from Blind Melon, uh-huh. Shannon Hoon, definitely uh-huh. dead. Okay, um, let's see. Madonna, Paul Simon's from before. She's from before the '90s, so she's oh, safe. So she's alive. Yeah. It's just it's just who like came to prominence in the '90s. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, Kurt Cobain. Yeah, was uh, Amy Winehouse? Was she in the '90s? No, okay. she was a child. I mean, unless she was like a Mouseketeer or something. She <laughs> probably wasn't a Mouseketeer. No. I'm guessing that she was no Boy Scout. <laughs> uh 
She was, you I know, think she was like a nice Jewish girl from the, from Jersey and only fell into drugs when she became famous. Oh. I uh, am reminded every time I accidentally hear Amy Winehouse out in the world somewhere that I should really listen to more Amy Winehouse. She's really because good. She's really, really good. Really, really good. <laughs> yeah. No. So it's been a really long time, but all I did was lay around coughing and being angry that I couldn't achieve anything. Yeah, that's And nice. I, I guess I played a lot of video games. Okay, cool. so that's a thing, but I'll get to that later. Yeah, I learned. Uh, I've been, I've been trying to do a little bit of research for my Australia trip, and I and I, uh, it occurred to me in looking at the names of towns in Australia that it would be a really good NPC name generator if you just took the name of a town in Australia by, and by then the mean, name of a town in Australia. By, by, <laughs> by which you mean well, really da- good Darwin Patreon there, right? backer generator? Yeah, a good Patreon backer. So just uh, for so so I, I just generated some first one on the list, Damascus Dandaloo. That's great. It's <laughs> a good name. Yeah. Uh, Milpera Spargo, Bel Air Mullion, Carstairs Braidwood. Carstairs? Yeah. Carstairs, One yeah. Faggy Kirabilly, Pemberton Bears. <laughs> That's Bears? Yeah. I got Biragan Bill Hughes. I got Syndicate Jumbuck a little while ago. <laughs> Excellent. Elgin Linwood, Darks Berserker. <laughs> Myrtleford Inaloo. Yeah, there's apparently a town called Berserker. There are a lot of really weirdly (laughs) named towns in Australia is the point. I think the the issue with the the thing that makes this good is that the data set is inherently like it's like naturally funny just because there are so many weird. I think there are a lot of towns that are named after like whatever they were called by the aborigines because like charleston topeka is like not those weird, interesting yeah like, portland portland buffalo yeah like, yeah eh. i i tried doing it with um british towns but i can't figure out a good way to import that data like because you can get a lot of data <laughs> or almost no data like if what you want is a list of cities in yeah. australia you can either get all of them by yeah. downloading like a zip code database yep. which is basically where I got it but that's even that was almost too much data to handle it was like 16,000 lines of CSV the the UK postcode database is like 250,000 wow. lines and there's so many repeats because there's like towns have a lot oh, of postcodes right, right. in them right but that doesn't hurt the algorithm I guess if you get doubles. it's just it's just unmanageable like it's an unmanageable unmanageable amount of data I couldn't import the CSV into Google Sheets so I couldn't like get just the town names out of it because they're all like it's like postcode and then a bunch of metadata about it and like longitude and latitude and stuff um you could, so, you could do I it think, in Excel, though. It you would could. sound like you might, yeah, you might be able to do it in Excel. It's like 70 megs or something, so it's, yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, like, you could just throw, write a program to throw away 99% of entries at random. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, you could write a program to one line at a time, strip the field out that you wanted, and then end up with a much more manageable amount of data. It's not yeah, like oh, it's that. impossible. Yeah. It was just more work than I wanted to do right then. Yep. Um, I, need, that, I mean, that was the whole basis of the uh, the movie. <laughs> The meaning of Lyft, that book that Douglas yeah. Adams did with somebody else, which was just, it was just like funny, uh, British town names and then definitions of oh. them. It was like sort of, sort of like a public game of balderdash that they played with each other, which they then turned into a book and published. I like, I liked it. Dairymore Piggerit. <laughs> Man, they're so good. They are really good. Australian towns 
have crazy good names. So the are you gonna have to visit all of these? I think I have to now? go to all of them. Yeah, wow. this is actually what I've actually made is an itinerary generator. Uh, <laughs> oh, jeez, that's really randomly weighted. Oh, it's like so. it's all, and it's all point to point. Yeah, trips. Wow, yep. that's rough. I would put forth that the biggest problem with all of these t- Australian town names is that they don't each have a first and a last name. Yeah, that's true. Um, some of them work better as first names. Some of them work better as last names. But uh, it is surprising how good they yeah. are. As like you, know, you could imagine it being a, the name of a goofy character in a goofy video game. If That's only true. we knew people that made goofy video <laughs> games. <laughs> this it's it's a shame this will go to waste. Uh, what have you been up to, Riff? Hmm. I went and saw the new Blade Runner movie. Have we talked about that yet? I don't think so. I because we haven't. Have we done a show since Indiecade? No. No. I saw it uh, while I was there too. What'd you think of it? Oh, it's super good. It was like way better than I was even hoping i'm gonna see it on sunday okay i won't Um, spoil anything then it's it's i wouldn't call it perfect it's it it could use a little bit more editing there's like a little bit of bloat and some some i don't know some concepts and characters that weren't strictly necessary to the story but yeah it's like two hours and 45 minutes long it's a little it's a little yeah yeah, it's a little too long and they they could indulgent yeah indulgent is exactly the word they they could have made a much tighter cut uh but i think it's okay i enjoyed it It, all the way through i thought it was really well maybe they'll do a director's cut and then an ultimate cut and then yeah how much (laughs) voiceover was there yeah. Yeah. Well, um, actually, my, yeah, my friends and I kind of got into a dis- discussion about that afterwards, talking about because, like, one of the things that we found kind of extraneous was a particular character that I'm not going to go into, but Jared Leto. Uh, but uh, it seemed like her only purpose of being there was so that the main character would have somebody to talk to, so that they wouldn't feel like they had to do a narration voiceover. Huh. I see. Yeah, it was cool. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I it sucks that it did that it just bombed. Oh, did because, it? Oh, that is yeah, that is appa- sad. apparently it was I mean, so did the original Blade Runner and oh, okay. and like this is like an R-rated 2 hour and 45 minute sci-fi movie. Like all of those things cut your Reduce audience your in audience half. Inside, and then yeah. it's a sequel to a movie that not a lot of people have seen in spite of like how beloved it is by dorks well, like yeah, us. Yeah, it's a sequel to a cult classic rather than an, a regular classic. But the original Blade Runner was pretty slow moving. Yeah. And that Vangelis soundtrack is polarizing, I think. It um really? I, I, I not like that. I think that yeah, I think that there's a whole subset of people that find it kind of 280s. It was no uh, Toto soundtrack to David Lynch's Dune. True. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with the occasional Journey <clears throat> song. No, that was on the Tron soundtrack. Journey? I think so. I think there were a couple Journey songs on the Tron soundtrack. Okay. Um, Tron was Wendy Carlos. It's pretty good. Wendy Carlos the Williams. The Tron soundtrack, pretty good. William, yeah. Because it was Walter Carlos, and then became Wendy Carlos, oh. and then became William Carlos Williams. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, this is just to say... Uh, the MCP is, <laughs> I no, didn't have anything. No. Uh, man, I can't wait for you to get 280 characters uh, of Twitter riff. <laughs> why, why is that? Oh, so, yeah, I so, can, you can, so I can do entire, this is just to say. Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the value of that. Um, what have you been up to, Kevin? Have you, have you recovered enough to have done anything in the... Well, so I was, I did some stuff before I got sick. 
but uh, before I, like, cause I've missed two shows right. or two weeks, I guess. Well, so yeah, like, like we, you missed one show and then we skipped one because yeah. both of us were sick. Uh, so I went, to, I think I went, I think I went to a wedding, uh, before the show I missed, uh, up in the mountains in Southern California or so- South of San Francisco, uh, Northern California still probably. Uh, and upper was, California, upper California. Mountain. Uh, yeah. And that was fun. Uh, so you got high in Northern California. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then I got sick, uh, and then North Northern California caught fire. Yeah. The air quality was real bad for a while. Uh, that's, it just that's smells like it, a campfire outside for the last 10 days. Like that, like the, the most direct impact on me is air quality. And then of course there's the thousands of homes and. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's weird. The, the bay has been a, a barrier for like everybody in the peninsula and the East Bay is safe, but like everybody in the North Bay is just like, am I going, is my house going to burn down? And, yeah. And, and also they're leaving the North Bay because their house might burn down. It's real bad. Yeah. And then there was a there was a fire that started just the other day down near San Jose, and I was like, oh, God. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, coming at us from both sides. Exactly. <clears throat> uh, and then I went to my dad's 80th birthday party. Oh. Happy birthday. Yeah. Uh, Warren. Yeah. Uh, it was it was good. It was uh, all of my cousins came into town. It was in Arizona. My dad lives in Scottsdale. Uh, and so I... Uh, went flew out there and all my cousins and uh, aunts and uncles came and it was great. Like your cousin uh, Dave from yep. community theater in Indianapolis. Sure, that's uh, mostly right. He's a woodworker. Yeah. Uh, your cousin Dave's brother, who's a science teacher in Carolina. He no longer teaches science. Okay, what does he teach? Uh, he's no longer a teacher. He okay. he works what? at a brake manufacturing plant. Okay. Uh, and does all of the well, those are the breaks. Yep. He decided yeah. to take a break from <laughs> teaching. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, mm. <laughs> yeah. But those those both of those cousins were there. Uh, and then my cousin, does he uh, does he get a spring break still? <laughs> yes. And then my cousin Jeff was there. I don't He's think the, you want uh, a spring break biologist. when you're. <laughs> no, there's disc breaks, uh, <laughs> spring breaks, and uh, I forget the other kind of the other actual kind of break besides disc breaks. And then, uh, then two cousins that you haven't met, I think, from Pennsylvania were also there. Okay. Right. And then there was your cousin <clears throat> uh, with the horrible children. Uh, so guess how old Max is, his, ki- his kid? 19. 16. Okay. Is he still terrible? He's just about this to very, get very, a driver's license. Everyone understood. This is not just me being an asshole. Everyone understood that these children were terrible. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> just extremely poorly behaved. That was like 10 years ago. Okay, so good. We'll see. We'll see what they're like now. I haven't, I have, you know. Well, if there's one thing I know about boys, it's that uh, big, they start. They get a lot age. better behaved when they're teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> Cassandra was always really was always really nice. okay. That's true. It was really only the boy. Yeah. He was real gullible though. That was a good thing about. <laughs> <laughs> good thing about talking to kids that are kind of shitty is that you don't feel bad about just lying to them about everything to entertain yourself. It was good. Anyway, good. I'm glad. I'm glad that kid didn't annoy himself to death. <laughs> none of the kids, none of the kids years. came to uh, the party, so it was oh, all just it was okay. all just adults. Um, um, well, yeah. happy yeah, happy birthday, Warren. Yeah. Did he talk about golf? He did <laughs> the whole time. So he was asked uh, by my uncle. He's like, "What are the 
what, what would you say are like the, the most interesting moments in your life? And my dad said, he started to relate a story about when I was in high school when he spent the day with Arnold Palmer. Okay. <laughs> and then he talked about three other famous golfers that he'd met. Okay. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, those are cool. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. What about the birth of your son? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not like, <clears throat> you know, not that sure, I was. It's not like that was really interesting. Right. Because I mean, you can't tell when a baby's like coming out if it's going to be interesting or not. <clears throat> but it was funny that just the, the only things that came to mind were spending time with famous golfers. <laughs> yeah. That'd be the title of his autobiography. Spending time with famous golfers. Yep. By Warren. <laughs> Age 80. Yeah. <laughs> That's how he would sign it. Um, well, do you guys want to talk about uh, video games? Sure. Yes. And find electronic entertainments? Indeed. Played anything cool, Riff? Um, uh, skip me for a bit. I need to think about it. Okay. Play anything cool, Jim? Uh, so, technically, this is the IndieCade episode <coughs> of Video Games oh, yeah. Hot Dog. Uh, so we should probably talk about that. The game that I, like, I didn't actually play much at IndieCade because I was running a booth, but, um, I went to a, uh, a, it was a theater event called The Incredible Playable Show, uh, which is a sort of a performance art thing where the audience plays a bunch of games together. So there's a guy up, up, up front, who is, who is hosting the whole thing, who is emceeing it, and is, um, uh, organizing a series of, um, audience participation games. The first of which was, uh, it was basically Sonic, the, it was a Sonic the Hedgehog ROM in an emulator, where, um, the controller, they, they brought up someone from the audience, they gave him a controller, the controller didn't have any buttons on it, it only had a D-pad, uh, and, the jump command was hooked up to a microphone, which uh, that basically the the entire audience had to shout the word "jump" to make Sonic jump. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, and it was it was pretty it was pretty entertaining to take part in that, and and we ended up getting to but not being able to beat the first boss. So that was like a a kind of a neat um like a kind of a neat both like. Like exercise in massive cooperation and also demonstration that Sonic the Hedgehog isn't particularly hard. <laughs> um, and um, there were a few of these. Apparently, there were like four showings of this, uh, each of which had different games. Except that uh, at the end, they everybody played a um, a Power Rangers themed game. Um, and the way this works was um, there are six people who come up and they play the Rangers. And that means they are, uh, they are wearing colored, uh, iPads, uh, rather colored harnesses with iPads on them. Um, and they're given instructions like, uh, go high five everybody. And so they have to run through the audience, a uh, high fiving people or like go find a place to sit. Um, things like that. Just like things you can, things you can do in an, uh, in a auditorium. And then there are, uh, other people who are, um, given instructions like you you need to uh push um basically the the other person has to push the iPads has to touch the iPads in a certain order and the audience tells them what order to push them in so they the audience has to read out like okay now you push red now you push blue and these people the red and the blue iPads are running around high-fiving people um 
And so it's, it's not, uh, exactly cooperative or competitive. It's just that like one group of people is, has a, uh, a set of goals that is sometimes at odds with the other players. So that was a game that I'm not sure is actually a good game, but it was certainly entertaining to watch. Did you, uh, did you play anything else on the show floor? I'm trying to think if I did. I don't think I actually, uh, I played, um, I played a game, which wasn't a game that I don't remember the name of it. So this isn't going to be helpful, but it was, uh, a game that was for uh, original Game Boy and it was on display uh, on uh, using like here's a Game Boy Advance, here's a Game Boy Color, here's a Super Game Boy, um, and um, the 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 game itself is pretty minimal, but the uh, side effect of playing the game is that you're making interesting noises with the Game Boy. Like it's a it's basically a a music generating game like Res. And the reason there are multiples together and they were all running through a mixer is so that everybody can like, t- can play, um, like can contribute an instrument or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was really neat. And I really wish I could remember the name of the thing so I could talk about it, but it's not like you can like download this game and play it with your friends. Cause it's an inst- installation piece. Yeah. But there's probably a video of it on the Indicate site or something. That's like, true. Yeah. yeah. If, you can, if you can track that down for the show notes and send it to me. I sure. Sure. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you get a chance to play the fear sphere that was right next to your booth? Oh yeah. The big black pumpkin. Um, no, I didn't. Uh, did anybody here play that? I did. Yeah. It was more, more interesting than fun, I think, but it was, did it was go very clever. You, you went inside a big, like a, it was like a bouncy castle that they had made out of garbage bags, right? It was like an inflated, Plas- black plastic thing. Was it, it was just like a positive totally, pressure? Totally kind of dark inside. Yeah, yeah. There was just a fan uh, blowing air into it. And it would deflate every time they let somebody in or out. Like, they didn't have an airlock uh, in it. Um, so that was a little a little annoying. It, it contributed to longer wait times between right. things. They eventually had people, like, sign up on a list or whatever. But I just happened to get there real early. Um, and inside there, there is a projector that is built into the housing of like a big you know those flashlights that the um they have a handle on top they're like a big barrel with a handle on top and the light comes out sort of perpendicular to where you're holding like you hold it like a toolbox oh yeah and yeah, the light yeah. comes out the front so it was a flashlight that as you swung it around it projected what you would see if you were Ooh. in the virtual space. What? That's, clever. That's crazy. Um, and How does that work? then it had a, uh, I, it was just like a motion controller. Like it, it uh, there was, there was an accelerometer connected to the projector that was like controlling the camera. And then there was a joystick. There was like a, a thumbstick on top of the flashlight that made you move around, which was pretty nauseating. So you didn't VR have, thing. you didn't have like VR goggles on. No, no, no. You, you just, it's just projecting what you would see as though you were shining a flashlight out in front of you. Um, Wacky. and you are in this like office building. You don't know how to get to the exit, but there's a person outside with a headset that has a blueprint of the building. Okay. And is giving you directions on how to get out. And there is like, Sort of a weird soft timer because there's like a monster chasing you. And I think if you see the monster, it's basically the game is over. Huh. Uh, so you just kind of have to be moving. Can you hear it? Uh, you, yeah, I think so. Uh, I think you get some kind of feel like your heartbeat 
in like thumping in your ears is an indicator of how close the monster is. Okay. It, uh, the first time I tried it, I just got killed by the monster like almost right away. So I don't know if that was a bug or whatever. And then the second time I got about halfway through the building and it crashed. Um, so didn't really get to play it for real, but it's like the, the tech, it was a very clever idea. So when it, so are these black plastic garbage bags? It's just totally dark inside. And so that you're just projecting onto the wall of a sphere, what you would be seeing if you were shining. But even if the wall is black, like, does it, does it not need to be like a reflective surface? No, maybe it's, maybe it's, I mean, it was shiny. It was shiny black. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, I think it was just made out of trash bags. I think it was That's just weird. made out of heavy duty trash bags that they had sewn together. I would just, I would just assume that that would absorb too much light for it, for it to be. Oh, visible. that you would need a white, like a projection screen. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It worked. I mean, it, That's I think cool. the fact that it was incredibly dark inside there and the <clears throat> only light that there was was coming from the projector. I, I wonder what would, what it would be like to build one of those out of retro reflective material. Like a sphere out of retroreflective material and then use like a cast AR style thing where just like shine a light inside there and then it would just bounce around forever, just <laughs> piling up on itself until yes. it exploded with the, <laughs> sure. the heat and fury of a sun. More more like anything you looked at would look like the world yeah, outside yeah. the sphere or whatever you want. And it would just be connected to a bunch of cameras on the outside of the sphere, so it would be exactly like you were just looking around. If you <laughs> if you could do it like a like a hamster ball where you could actually walk inside oh, there, yeah, that yeah. would solve That's the how to nausea do VR. problem. Yeah. Um, I also played a game that you, Kevin, I think might really like I, that I sent you a link to called Bitrat. Yeah, but you said it was not out. So. It's not out. Um, it is a. It's. Is it like Bitrot or Bitrate? Essentially, pipe dream, but with this twist where you are only allowed to rotate pieces that are connected to the source so there's a lot of like weird order of operations things that you have to do to like route the power to one spot so you can rotate a thing so that when you come at that room from a different direction you'll be able to get through it um and then it adds another wrinkle which is like some of the rooms have electricity and some don't and then there's a third wrinkle where you have anywhere that you have the pipe dream fluid connected you can like mind control people that are in those rooms and then they can autonomously walk around and reroute power uh, like power down some rooms and and power up other rooms it's just a very it quickly becomes a very very complicated and difficult puzzle game. is it still does it still have like the real time like a timer fuse kind it, of there is no has? no there is no real time okay aspect that's great uh, yeah it's it, they, they had thought about it but then they were just like no it was just way too, too hard. hard yeah yeah that's great um and i i uh, i saw but had not played yet um this VR game about ma- like a machine that makes cats out of various parts. It's called cat sorter oh, VR, yeah, uh, I heard about it, which is, uh, was remarkable only because it was made by a company that was founded by, that had uh, never seen a cat by Sean <laughs> Vanaman's brother-in-law who we've ah. met a bunch of times and who's, uh, he worked on oxen free and like he split off and made this, the studio that's now made this one VR game. Um, so yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to play it and talk about it at some point. Apparently somebody hooked up a sort of VR plug-in to Steam to play West of Loathing in VR? Yeah, I did not get a chance to... He sent us instructions on how he did it, and I have not had a chance to to mess with it yet. I'm curious um, what that's like. Um, 
That was that was IndieCade for me. Okay. Uh, did you? What did you play outside of IndieCade, Jim? Um, I played. Uh, I think we all played this. A game called Universal Paper Clips. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But by, by Frank Lance, which. Uh, my first impression of it is, is that it was a clicker like candy box, but it's really more of a, like a light management sim because you can't set it and forget it. You can't like walk away and expect things to be going much better than they were when you come back. It depends on what stage you are. I yeah. I like think there are phases where you can just walk away you from can it. You get and, some benefit from it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in fact, like, because I was not. I, at a lot of points, did not really understand the <laughs> systems that were at work. I often just had to, like, leave it up for a while. It did not run when... Minimize. Yeah, yeah. or when you had another tab open in the same yeah. browser, which is, yeah. which that is weird. That is a behavior that I don't think is typical of a JavaScript well, I, I think, game. And, and I think that actually speaks to the designer's intention that probably uh, they, they didn't intend for it to be a background clicker. Yeah. Right. I mean, also, I feel like that's just not the kind of thing that Frank Lance would make. Sure. Uh, but it, it does definitely have that, like, space plan or uh, or crank or candy box style thing where it reveals itself to be much more mm. than it is over time. Yeah. It's very, very good. Very satisfying to play. Did you see uh, Tom Francis's tweet, which was a sort of a screenshot of a journal where he keeps like game design ideas yeah and he basically laid out the exact same game design like the na- same narrative yeah like literally the same <clears throat> like, about paper clips which makes which me is, wonder is is there this notion like yes AI's yeah pa- the, paper um, clips that, that i just was not aware of the paper clip like- the paper clip maximizer is a hypothetical scenario where um you give a uh, superhuman ai um the uh the task of making a lot of paper, as many paper clips as possible. And I because see. it's so good at what it does and so, so much smarter than people and so singularly focused on this one task, uh, obviously where it's going to go with this is, is to turn the entire universe, all the matter in the universe into paper clips. Right. Um, and that's a, that's like a, a dumb hypothetical scenario, but then let, that's used to then lead into arguing more subtle scenarios like, well, if you're, you're, you give the AI the task of making people happy. Um, like, unless you tune it right, one possible scenario is that it turns the entire all matter in the universe into, like, uh, an enormous pleasure center set on maximum. <laughs> or it kills everyone except for one person who it then makes very happy. Right. So <laughs> oh, 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 on average. Happiest. Yeah, on yeah. average, everybody's really happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it turns yep. everybody well, in the universe except one guy into ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> but what if that guy doesn't like ice cream? It you gotta to, pick the right guy. Yeah, we need to run it past that guy first. Yeah. And I mean, you yeah. know. Isn't there too much of a good thing, though? Can't you? Like an entire universe of ice cream seems <laughs> like maybe. Well, that's why you I, use I, the. I don't know. That's why you use the pleasure centers because, like, the pleasure center never never gets enough pleasure. I mean, if sassy moms are any indication, there's no such thing as too much chocolate. No, good point. Uh, anything else? Uh, that's all I can think of. Yeah, that paperclip game is very good. Yeah, yeah I like it I've a lot. I've actually played through it a couple times now. Oh, yeah? Just because I, I found it really interesting and I kind of wanted to go back and see. Because you can, you can get through it pretty quick when you know how everything works. 
Uh, like how long? About two or three hours. Okay. <clears throat> wonder what the uh, wonder what the world record speed run is. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's a good Somebody question. Do a paperclip games done quick. Uh, I played a really cool iOS game that is free and very good, except that it has exactly one problem, which is that you cannot uh, listen to podcasts while mm-hmm. you play it. Yeah. But it's not because it disallows it. It's because anytime you try any point at which the game would make any sound, it just crashes. <laughs> uh, so, like, you can get into the game and restart your podcast audio after it to, after it ducks it out, but uh, even if you have the sound turned off, it just, uh, just quits. And it's like, well, this game is free, so I can't really complain about bugs in it, because that's how that works, right? <laughs> right. Uh, it's called Underhand, if I didn't already say that, and it is... It was linked to, uh, I found it, I think, through Alexis Kennedy on Twitter because he was like, hey, this is a game that's very similar to Cultist Simulator. It's a, a sort of a single-player deck-building game, kind of. You don't, well, w- with some limited exceptions uh, of some choices that you can make at the beginning of the game, you don't really decide what cards go into your deck, but it's the same thing where it's repeatedly going through a stack of cards and sometimes removing cards from it and sometimes adding cards from it and adding cards to it. And then when it, when you've gone through them all, it reshuffles and, and starts over. You also, you have these resources, which are, you have, you start with a certain number of cultists, a certain number of money. These are also represented by cards, but they're like different, smaller cards. Uh, you have food, you have prisoners. And then the cards represent scenarios, which then unfold into up to three choices that you can make. And those choices will consume some resources and give you some other resources. Or like, this is just a thing where, hey, cool, you found a, you found a cheeseburger, like plus one food. It's not literally that. But, um, <laughs> there are some that are just like, ah, uh, you know, somebody's sick. So you either have to like spend three money to hire a doctor or a private doctor or spend two money and uh, take your sick cultist to a doctor in town, but you then gain one suspicion, which is another kind of resource that you can, that you can accumulate that you don't want. I see. Um, if you get like more than 15 resources, your next card draw, I think will almost always be uh, this card called greed, which is just, you have to discard five resources at random. Uh, if you get it too much suspicion, you will get a card that is, you're raided by the police. So you either have to have enough money to bribe them and get rid of that suspicion or enough cultists to fight them and get rid of the suspicion or it's just game over. Uh, your goal is to summon a god. You start out with the ability to, you st- well, there's like a tutorial in that you summon, but then you start out with the ability to like, you know, one of the cards is rumors of darkness in the jungle or whatever, and you can like elect to follow up on them. And then it f- puts the next phase of the God summoning card in. And I thought for a while that I was missing something about the UI because once you'd summoned that God, you could tell from the UI that there are like five or six other gods that you can summon, but I couldn't figure out how to like pick which one I was playing until I realized that they're actually all just puzzles that are embedded in the existing stuff. One of the cards, one of the gods can only be summoned if you get the card that happens when you run out of food, for instance, and respond to that in a specific way. And then that starts a chain of events that you can then do things. And so some of the, there's like, five that I haven't found or four or five or six. I don't remember exactly that. I haven't figured out how to summon yet. One of them I've gotten pretty close to and I just didn't have the right resources. It's, 
I wish it were slightly faster. Like the, I, like I wish you could speed up the animations a little bit because it's a fun game to just play over and over again. It's not, it might not be for everybody because I do think that it is sometimes possible to lose just because you've drawn badly. Hmm. Like it's it, the, the frustrating things will happen that you just couldn't possibly have done anything about. Um, although that gets to be less of a problem. Like when you, when you summon a god, it gives you the opportunity to, like, get a couple of blessing cards from that god to go into the deck in future games, which are usually just beneficial things. And, like, there's one that you get early on that's, like, you can spend one food to just see the next three cards that you're going to draw. And it, it's thematically you're, like, reading the future in goat entrails instead of eating the goat, I guess. Which that's is good. Clever. Um, that's really good. It's, like, got just enough flavor uh, it's, there is audio that I turned off because it was kind of annoying where there's like a radio playing in the background and you hear news reports about things that are going on in the town as a result of your actions. Wow. That seems but, high production. Value. Yeah. Well, it's a lot of production value. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I don't know. It, it wasn't, it wasn't that great. And it was like, well, this is kind of the same thing over and over again a lot of the time. So I, I there's probably some clever and funny stuff in there that I've just missed because I just turned the sound off. But, um, yeah, it's good underhand for iOS for, for being a free game. It's, just real good. And I don't know if it's like, this is like a debut from a studio that's like, cause there aren't any ads or anything. This is just like, Hey, we made this game, maybe kickstart a new thing or whatever. Yeah. Weird. Spoopy squad or spooky squad. I don't remember. It's either spooky. I think it's spooky squad and their tagline is three spooky, three spooky five view. It's pretty good. Okay. Uh, it might also be spoopsy <laughs> instead of spoopy, which is an even better, uh, even better version of spooky. Um, I played one of the games in this year's IF comp, uh, which is a yearly interactive fiction competition that has too many entries to play. Most of the entries are real bad. So every year I intend to play a bunch of them. And every year I think, oh yeah, there's too many of these and most of them are bad. <laughs> so I do the same thing that I do every year, which is usually just wait until it's over and then see which one's won and then play the best 10 of them or whatever. Um, in this case, I just played one by a guy whose name I recognized that said it was about a half hour long. Yeah. Uh, and it ended up just being, it's called, uh, will not let me go. And it is just a twine game from the perspective of a guy with early onset dementia in 1996. And it's, uh, it's real sad, really well-written, really, really like thoughtful. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's good. It's, it's, uh, it's like sweet and sad, hmm. uh, in a way that is real effective. I don't know if it's like the fact that it's 1996 makes it sound very specific. Like this is autobiographical. Yeah, like this is about this guy's dad or something. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's uh, if that's true or not. Um, but yeah, and then I played uh, I played a ton of. Oh well, I finished uh, while I was sick. I finished the Dishonored uh, Death of the Outsider. Um, DLC. Yeah, it's not DLC. It's it oh, was so it was a weird game. small standalone game. Um, it did not have anything in it that really hit the high notes of Dishonored Two, in my mind. And also, uh, the fact that it didn't sell well means that single player games are yeah. Are I was over just forever. about to say death of the yeah. single player. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you see that tweet? 
I forget who did it, but it was like headlines from all of the last 11 or 12 years that were single player games are over because they're not making enough yeah. money anymore. Like from like 2006 I'm until now. The same thing happens with Nintendo is going to fold up and go bankrupt every year. Yep. Well, to be fair, they have. <laughs> <laughs> I so yeah, basically if the NES classic couldn't save them. I don't know what will. <clears throat> there is there's a news story about EA canceling a single player Star Wars game. Yeah. Uh and they doing it because they thought it wasn't going to make enough money. Are you talking about the Visceral P- Studios? Thing? Yeah, pivoting to making yeah. it something well, like Destiny. It was, it was or supposed to be like a whatever. It was planned to be like a, an uncharted style game. Uh apparently like Directed by Amy Hennig, who was the lead on, or the, the narrative lead on a bunch of those Uncharted games. Uncharted and like, games, yeah. uh, and I'm honestly like, I don't think Uncharted games make money. Like, I think those games are so expensive and that I, I think, I think those are at least partly funded by Sony because they are system sellers. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it sucks though that like, we don't get a cool single player Star Wars game. Like there hasn't been, there has not been a first person narrative campaign Star Wars game in how many years? Like there was that, uh, there was that bad one where you were a Jedi, but that was over the shoulder, like where you were a bad Jedi. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have, I would have taken that if it was good. Yeah. Like, so, I, like, if, as far as like KOTOR style or no, like, uh, like Jedi Knight, yeah, or like Jedi Outcast, dark, dark like, forces? uh, or like a Wolf, yeah, yeah, like a Wolfenstein, like, uh, you know, like the like last sign, the new order, like, a like, but in, a, but in Star Wars, I, yeah. I have, I guess I've never played any of those. God, so. Some of them are so good. Really? The last yeah. Star Wars game that but I, they're remember- all really, really old now. So it's, yeah. Hmm. The last Star Wars game I, I can recall people talking about in a positive light was like, it was like Red Faction, you know. It was uh, the GameCube one. Um, not Red, Red Faction. Faction, not Red Rogue Faction. Squadron. Rogue Squadron, yeah, by, yeah, by, which was just like by a, Factor like a Five. Wings. I was, I was about to say, wow, I didn't know the Red Faction. Games yeah, no, I, no that was that was universe. just like, I think that was like Red Leader combined with Factor Five. The developer in my head is what happened there. Anyway, okay. um. It, what that made me think of, though, is I wanted to ask you this question, Jim. Hmm. Would you have enjoyed, would you enjoy a game that was exactly the gameplay of Prey, but looked like Neon Struct? Yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you, yes. do you think that, do you think you would have, you, do you think you would play that game? Do you think you would stick through it if it like, if it very explicitly looked like a game, or maybe I should say Slayer Shock, like if it looked like a game that I know that you don't like the way that it looks? Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think Neon Strike looks Shock? good either. Like, cause Slayer Shock, one of the, I feel like one of the problems with it was that it was, there just wasn't a lot going on. Yeah, no, I mean, this, like, the game that I'm pitching is literally Prey, but with graphics that one person could do. Yeah, if it had, if it had the writing, um, and I I don't know, I I, I don't know. So I I think my, my gut instinct is to say yes, because, like, I have played 
I loved Slayer Shock, like, and it looked like Slayer Shock. So, um, <laughs> I was able to I like, look. I like the way it looked, but okay, yeah. Um, and and so I was able to look past the art style uh, because I loved playing that game, and I think the case would be true with Prey as well. Um, yeah. So the the question it, it becomes like, can a, a one person make uh, a, a um a dishonored a, can, yeah like, can they make an, an immersive sim and i don't i don't think so but i think 10 people could if you didn't care what it looked like yeah yeah that that's that's the real problem is that like um slayer shock was trying to be an immersive sim and it didn't really get there because uh because there weren't enough designers and programmers on it like mm. they didn't have time to iterate on all those design ideas how to get a people, really good combination. How many people were on the Campo crew making Firewatch? About ten or eleven. Ten or twelve, yeah. Because yeah. I can, I can imagine, <clears throat> I can imagine playing a shooty game in the Firewatch environment, and that would be awesome. Yeah, but none of those ten or I mean, none of those ten or eleven people had time to add like shooting to the game, right? Which would have been a lot of work. Well, we to assume assume there's good, right? a, a replace. I mean, this the imagine a hypothetical entirely different team that is similar, but instead of excellent right. writers, it has excellent arcade dudes. Sure. I mean, Firewatch basically had one writer and mostly people making the game look really good. Mm-hmm. So that's a kind of a weird. That's a weird example for that team size. But, like, David Pittman plus nine guys, nine people, could probably make a non-proc-gen version of Slayer Shock that had 50 hours worth of shit that you could do. Yeah. And as long as it looked like Slayer Shock, they could make that game for, you know, 1% the budget of Dishonored 2. Yeah, the other question is like, well, like first of all, would I have would I would I like that? I'm still not sure. <clears throat> Could you sell it to enough people? Like obviously you don't need to sell it to as many people as you do a prey to make it profitable, but I'm not sure there are uh, 100,000 people who want that game. Yeah, I mean even if even if you could sell a tenth of the people who did buy prey, that's probably still not enough for Right. A game with 1% the budget of Prey. I mean, who knows? It, I mean, I don't know. We sold 100,000 copies of our game, and that's a weird answer. Yeah, it is, but it's not trying to... It's not that kind of thing. I mean, it is a single-player experience, I guess, that clearly doesn't care what it looks like and is just a... It it is an older style of game that people don't really make. West West of Loathing is a game that has a very, like... I, I when I look at that game, I see something very deliberate visually. Like it is a a very spare and simple art style, but it's also a very like confident one. Yeah, and I guess like it not in in this in the same way that Slayer Shock just seems like this was the best someone could do. Well, with making I, low low poly things, and I mean, also you just don't like, and and I don't like low poly three D. Well, another another factor is that like. So if you if you look at Eldritch, 
um, that art style is 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 basically the Minecraft style. You have like yeah. pixel art textures on rect on on cubes. I was and pretty then, into the art in that actually. Yeah, it looked fine. Um, specifically because like you look at that art and you're like, oh yeah, that's probably about as good as you can do trying for this style. Whereas Slayer Shock was in like it's trying to be like a full on 3D game with with actual like 3D models and animations, and it's just sucking at it. Um, yeah, and I think um, West of Loathing is um, about as good as you could execute that art style. Oh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> oh well, yeah, good job. Um, I mean, all I see is the problems, but well, sure, <laughs> but I don't know what those are. Um, and honestly, like I think if um, David Pittman hadn't tried with Neon Struck to like hadn't tried to evolve into a, a, uh, a, a better kind of art style. I think it would actually would have looked better. I think it would have looked better if he'd stuck with the Minecraft look. <clears throat> yeah. The two voxel high character art. Yeah. That sort of thing. <clears throat> I just, um, I mean, neon struct wasn't the kind of stealth game that I like, you know, I think it was like, Tom Francis described once stealth games being divided into games where you render areas safe to move around in freely versus games where you have to figure out patterns to sneak through an area once, but you can't actually get rid of the the guards. Right. Uh, and Neon Struck felt too much like the latter kind, which is just I don't like at all. Um, mostly because I'm impatient and bad at them. Like, I don't think that there's anything wrong with games like that. Uh, like Thief, I never liked. I could never play Thief because I just was not. I was so bad at the kind of stealth that it was that it just wasn't fun. I don't know. I'm, you know, one person could not have made Minecraft in 1980, right? Like the version of Minecraft as it existed when it was a thing that just one person made. So yeah, that was still pretty good. Um. Do you do you imagine a future where one person could make a game of the level of gameplay complexity of like System Shock 2 without having to spend you know hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars on it or is there I mean one person can write a novel right and it's not yeah, like so adding more novelists uh, <laughs> makes the novel better or faster so if you look at something like um I don't know the number for for System Shock 2 but I do happen to know that Deus Ex the original Deus Ex had three programmers on the team. Um which is a number that was really low even back then. Uh but that is possible. That's something you can um you can make that game with three programmers and without a um a model to base it on. But how many designers? That's that's the, that's the question. Yeah, like that's yeah. yeah like I don't how know many, how many level designers, how many writers. Like, could is there ever a point logistically where one person could make a game like Prey? I mean, if they spent thirty years on it, yeah, maybe. yeah, yeah. I mean, it would right. It would have to be just drastically simplified. Um, and I think like something like Neon Struct is like a good example of like here's what one person can make that is like that. But um, he also made it in like like nine months or something, right? Like was like, it? I, I know that Slayer Shock had an accelerated development time, but I don't know if Neon Struct did. 
Um, I mean, maybe it was because Neon Struck took too long and he recognized that he was going to run out of the Eldritch money at that rate. Uh, I thought everything was, was supposed to be six or nine months, though. One the, more thing. Like, all the projects were meant to be that long. Yeah, I thought that was... I mean, that, I remember reading, like, his... Or seeing his, like, GDC talk about, like, here's why Eldritch was successful. I spent, like, nothing making it. And so <laughs> its reasonably modest success was a huge success. Right. But, I mean, it's, you know, like, that's over. That they, that company doesn't exist anymore. Like, he's working for somebody else now. Um, so it didn't buy him that many opportunities to fail even at a really modest. Yeah. yeah and it's weird. Cause I feel like, I don't know. Maybe it's just because of the specific demographics that I'm in. I am very, very surprised at how poorly neon struck sold uh, because it felt like it was all over the place. It felt like, like I was made aware of it all the time. Hmm. Um, man, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's just Steam's algorithms working on you. Maybe so. Um, I also played a bunch of uh, The Evil Within 2. I am happy to not talk about that if any of the rest of you are going to play it. Yeah, I I, I spoke to... Um, so I... Um, I don't know how much context I should give here. I'm working on a, a, a Half-Life 3 jam game, which I think I brought up like a month and a half ago. Um, a Half-Life 3 jam, just for, for, for context, because it's cool, is uh, Mark Laidlaw um, uh, recently published what was going to be, uh, he called it fan fiction. On his blog, he published um, what was going to be that story for Half-Life 3. Um, and Laura Mache, um, like a month and a half ago, started a, uh, a Half-Life 3 game jam, which is like, now that the story's out here, let's all, the, the Half-Life 3 story belongs to the world, let's all make it. Um, and so I'm working on one of those. I was Skyping with the writer on the team, uh, about this, and he was talking up Evil Within 2 to an incredible degree. Like, I was really surprised this was a game I would give a shit about. Um, but the way he sold it to me was that it is an open world game where um, you come across these buildings and every building you go into has like a self-contained miniature horror story in it. That is kind of true. Okay. It is it is true enough and for long enough that like I I would recommend that you play it having bought it with Patreon money. Okay. <laughs> um, because you could play it for a couple of hours, and if you don't like it, you will be able to talk about it in an interesting way and make that have been a worthwhile investment. Okay. Um, I partly I have been sick, and so just like sitting slumped in my chair playing a lot of AAA video games. Uh, but I'm. Oh, 10 or 12 hours into it. I think I'm nearing the end of it and I still like it quite a bit. Um, it's just challenging enough on the easiest difficulty level that it's, it's kind of, uh, it is, it reminds me of dark souls in the, in the way that I think of dark souls as, as being, uh, like different from other stuff in its design in that, Every enemy, like, no matter how, like, baseline scrub the enemy is, can kill you if you're not careful. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
and that's just that's just true of all of the zombies. And so it's got the it's got the good like Wolfenstein, the New Order level of you can stealth and sneak up on some zombies and kill them. And then if you accidentally alert the last couple of zombies, then it's fun to shoot them with your gun uh, on the easy difficulty mode. It was way, way too hard on the but it's um, it's made better by kind of ungenerous checkpointing like you save and then you go out into the world and it is scary because mm-hmm. if you get killed you don't know how much progress you're going to lose it's not always all the progress because it is weirdly splitting the difference between being an open world game and a very constrained story game um, right there are a bunch of there are a bunch of things that could be short levels of a linear horror narrative game that are optional that you find your way into in messing around in an open world. And the open world is not all that big, but it is because of that Dark Souls style, it feels expensive, like more than it is. And so there's, it starts out in one of those or it starts out. I mean, it starts out with like a, 15 minutes of kind of bad corridor horror game uh, goes into a pretty nice big open area then has a couple chapters of of like story stuff in small levels and then goes to a second slightly less expansive open area and then I've recently gotten to a third area that may or may not be open I don't know um, yeah I don't know it's Something that's really annoying about it is that it's a third-person over-the-shoulder game, so a lot of the screen is usually taken up by this goofy dipshit finishing his animations while <laughs> I'm trying to look at whatever's on the other side of him. And I really wish that it was a first-person game, but uh, um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's uh, it's weirdly compelling. The writing is bad, and the voice acting is real bad, but somehow. I'm like, you don't care. like, I don't care. I like, I'm not going to skip. Like, usually you can fast forward through conversations. Like, so you can just read the subtitles real fast and you don't have to listen to them. He just, the guy about a quarter of the lines are what the hell. And I, I don't <laughs> I, like, they recorded all of them uniquely and like slightly different wordings and stuff. So this, the guy's just real like, man, you've been here a really long time. Like, I don't know why this is still surprising to like, I, <laughs> This is exactly as confusing as everything that has happened to you right. in this entire game. Up to this point. Yeah. Like, I, when I played uh, Grand Theft Auto 2 in like 1999, this was when I discovered that writing is expensive because that game has like um, maybe 20 pedestrian barks and they say things like, you know, they, they, they just say things like, hey, I'm walking here. Like when you're when you're like driving in front of them while they're trying to walk or they, they run away screaming or what have you. And then there's a mugger that says, give me your wallet. Um, and every one of these unique pedestrian barks, 20 is recorded individually by like all the different pedestrian voice actors. So they're like, they got like eight different actors to each record each of those lines. And so all the pedestrians say the same thing, but they say them in different voices Instead of just coming up with with different lines for yeah yeah I mean that's I've the Skyrim that happening in problem a lot of, yeah right. Skyrim and a bunch of games do that 
Yeah. The best defense is a good offense. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's... Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting stuff, because it's been so long. But uh, that's what I've been playing. What about you, Kevin? Uh, mostly just Breath of the Wild still. Just chucking along. It's a good video game. Have yeah. you defeated the magical beasts and where to find I've, them? I've defeated the four magical beasts. I know okay. where to find all of them. Okay. <laughs> uh, I am going around collecting, finishing up the shrines that I know of. You going to do all of them? I, I have no idea. I'm trying to avoid spoilers. The combat ones are so hard they're, in my experience. Yeah, I mean, and they're not at this point, I'm interesting just, either. I'm just, I've gotten so Are you super buffed. OP? Mm. Do you have the master sword? I do have the master sword. So you sword. have a sword that doesn't doesn't decay it i mean it decays it like it you use it for a little while and then you have to wait 10 minutes and you get to use it again oh, that sucks. but Did you get the <clears> i'm at the DLC? point i have not gotten the dlc there's a uh, one of the dlc things is you can go back to to where you got the master sword and do a uh not exactly a dungeon you can do you can do a series of challenges that i think mm-hmm. i think what it does is cause the master sword to always be in the super powered up mode like I see. like when you're fighting the the machines but but it's like there's so many better weapons in the master sword though that I don't know that it matters well, it, the master sword is super good when it's charged like, well, no, I'm, like even at even it's like even at sixty power, it's not mm. like there's a lot of it. But like at this point, I just I like I was killing Lionels to get to sort of farm their weapons. Man, I'm you're ahead of you're <clears> ahead <throat> of the game on me. Then I'm still afraid of Lionels. <laughs> Those guys uh, mess me s- up. Yeah, I, unlock. I finished the game. I don't think I ever killed a Lionel. So really, yeah. Huh. They're, One thing not that I that bad. Okay. Yeah. One thing that I do remember although I might be misremembering is that the master sword has double power in certain circumstances. Um, yeah, that's in, what I'm in, thinking of. including, I think, uh, the entire time you're in the, um, in the end, end dungeon. Riff, is it just you and me now? Is everybody else gone? Yeah. I don't know oh, Hey, we're back. So. Oh, there you go. All right. Sorry about that. That was the, the pizza has arrived. So, uh, oh. come, come back up. We can, we can okay. just finish when you're, when you're back. Well, I don't. Um, I don't have any games to talk about, really, because I played. Okay. I played paper clips and some more Metroid and uh, dribs and drabs of other stuff, and that was pretty much it. Did we pick an well, assignment? We, uh, we didn't. The new Zatronics game. Yeah, that sounds like good. Seventeen hours. Yeah, All right. Let us do that then. Uh, shall we start talking about this assignment? Caro Blaster that was submitted by a Patreon backer whose uh, name I don't have in front of me. Sorry. Yeah. That backer. Um, sure. Let's what do did it. You, what did you think of this game, Jim? So this is a kind of a straightforward run and gun shooter um, that would have been like a revelation if it were like, so if I played this, it's not on Android. If it's on iPhone and it's it controls well on iPhone, then that's that's a revelation. On it PC, it's a just lot like better on iPhone than I expected it to. Okay, that's cool. Um, that's good. In that case, that sounds like a great iPhone game. On PC, it's just like here's one of a thousand games like this I could be playing. Mm. So it's not yeah. not that not very special. How far into it did you get? Um, I got to uh, a fish boss. Uh, and that I was, almost, that was I where almost I got a game over. quit at the fish boss, uh, but Wh- which finally level is that? 
That is in level four, okay. I believe. No, that's in level three. The, the one the fish boss. The, the fish boss is at the end of level three. Yeah, except I ended up not. It was so much faster to not to actually just be in the water and shoot it with the normal gun. Oh, huh. It, um, because the nor- I it, I hadn't powered up the bubbles, and so oh. they just were not. They were doing like no damage, yeah. and so it was taking for fucking ever. You kind of have to like. I feel like each level is kind of designed to be beaten with the weapon that you get plus the power up version of it. <clears throat> yeah, you got further than I did. I think I I made it. I finally did beat that fish boss, and then I got to the next level, which is some sort of laboratory with laser things. And it I can't imagine being able to beat that fish playing this game on an iPhone. Oh wow! Yeah, huh? Yeah, how do you even? How like what are the controls on an iPhone? Oh, is it, is it a virtual keypad? Did none of you guys play it on iPhone? I originally did, but I didn't want to <clears throat> this time, and I yeah. just I don't remember enough about how it controlled. Riff, you want to just describe the controls? So on the, iPhone? the controls on the iPhone is you're holding it uh, landscape mode, and your left thumb is a left and right arrow, and your right thumb is a jump button, and Next to the jump button, there's a sort of like, uh, I don't really know how to describe the thing. It's sort of like a little lever that can go, that can either rest in the middle or in left, right, or up positions. And you just, you just flick it with your thumb to shift what position it's in. Uh, and that controls and what. It's just always shooting. Yeah, that controls what direction your guy is shooting. And he's just always shooting. Yeah, he just constantly shoots. Can, so there I, is no. I thought it felt pretty nice. That's like the it's it's the the best feeling shooty game I've I think I've ever played on the phone. So there's never going to be anything in the game that uh, it doesn't that you're not supposed to shoot. I've been I've been wondering that every now and then, like whether there will be something that I'm not supposed to shoot. Yeah, I only sure I only played like up to uh, beating the second boss, but I certainly didn't encounter anything like that. I'm curious why. This was suggested as a like I kept expecting there to be something different about it. It might uh, there like it, it seems like there's a plot which might do some sort of reversals or something later on, right? Because that it seems like the headquarters it, is going to get infested with these things yeah, or whatever. It feels it like might it also was... just be the phone version was the actual assignment suggestion, yeah. and so a game oh. that feels unremarkable on PC. It, it, it really feels like an experiment of can I make a good feeling iPhone shoe? Oh. Yeah, that's interesting. I it would be so much harder with those controls. I, I was think. pretty unhappy about the platforming. Like the, it felt really floaty. Like jumping the the, the how do I put it the jump didn't follow what felt like a regular parabola like hmm. it would get to get sort of close to the maximum height and then sort of sit up there and then kind of fall again it was just i don't know just if it, it all the controls felt really squishy and weird to me um on a pc i don't know if that is if that is true i was also playing it this is the first game i've ever played streaming i was playing it on my mac by streaming it from my pc mm. um so maybe that had an impact on how things felt. <laughs> the only game I have ever played like that was Steven's Sausage Roll. <laughs> because I wanted to play it while I was smoking cigars, and I, I don't think there was a Mac version. Right. Or I didn't, at least I hadn't installed it, or I wanted to use the same save that I'd been using. Um, well, yeah, I mean, this. I think that maybe the thing that is remarkable about this game is just that it was a run-and-gun shooter that worked okay on an iPhone. 
And I imagine that the stuff that I found challenging anyway, playing it on a PC would have just been brutally difficult with I virtual deep. I appreciated that, that when you did sort of die multiple times and then start over, start a level over that you got to, got to keep your upgrades and cash and stuff like that. So it was, <clears throat> you are making progress even if you're not, even if your character is dying. Yep. Uh, a lot, which is, I'm grateful for, cause that would have, it was pretty frustrating at times. Uh, but as long as you were slogging along, you're gonna get some sort of upgrade and power up. Yeah, you had lives, and if you, if you got killed, you started over at the beginning of the last room that you entered, but if you lost all of your lives, you started over at the beginning of the entire level, which yeah. is like a little, yeah. I mean, they're that not, also gives you the opportunity to farm levels, some, though. yeah, they're pretty short yeah. levels too, so it's not, yeah. not that big of a deal. And also, there are like mini bosses that once you, Although I think that might have just been because it would otherwise be a really too good way to farm gold. There's many bosses that once you've killed yeah, them once, they're not they there anymore. Shop. And chests stay stay right. open. Yeah. Uh, it's a little the, – the power-up system is a little weird. Like when you – there's there's one point at which they give you like a heart jar that will refill your hearts. Um, but then if you restart that level, if you die on that level, you don't get another one. You just get it that one time. Uh, similarly – there is like a jacket that you get when you are assaulting the like the mountain uh and the first time you get hit it falls off and you don't lose any hearts uh but then it you can't like refill those hearts like that that's like a an extra hit point above your normal hit points um that you can only refill at shops and it's just it's a it's sort of an interesting mechanic where it's like lets you start out like it lets you one time be powerful and then back, it's back weird down. how expensive the uh, you must start getting way more you coins do. later a lot more so yeah. uh, like it's weird how it was weird to me how expensive the second tier upgrades for weapons were yep. and how expensive that i'm like oh man i didn't realize i was going to lose that heart jar the first time it was used i wonder how much another one is whoa it's mm-hmm. three times as much money as i've ever had well and a extra life is 1500 that seems that yeah. seems ridiculous uh well uh, that's Carol Blaster. We yeah. uh, decided for next uh, game we're gonna play the new Zactronics uh, game, yes. which is coming out like later today or tomorrow. Um, so that's pretty good. It looks kind of space chemy or kind of Codex yeah. of Alchemical Engineering. My understanding is that it's it is a remake of Codex of Alchemical Engineering with like a real good UI. Oh right, did he just straight up tell us that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> Your understanding based on. First hand, <laughs> well, ve- like, very clear. Uh, yeah, but that wouldn't wouldn't be good enough for Wikipedia. <laughs> sure, that's true. But now this podcast, as an artifact, that's is. Um, thank you so much to our generous Patreon backers for making this episode and all episodes of uh, Video Games Hot Dog in the future and the present and part of the past possible. Um, gentlemen, we already named all the Patreon backers at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, we did <laughs> it already. And I'll put the, I'll put that generator in the show notes too. Uh, guys, I've had a fantastic time recording episode number 306 of Video Games Hot Dog with you, and I hope we record another episode real soon. Listeners, I hope you'll join us when we do. And if you do, you will. And if you don't, cockaboo boo balaya. Good night, everybody. Also town. Good night. In Australia. <laughs>It probably is, yeah. <laughs> Have a great weekend. Well, cockaboo boo is one town and balaya, isn't it? Yeah. There's Ballarat. So the the reason that I started going down this road is because there were two towns very near each other. One of them was called 
Ballarat, and another one was called Wangarat something. And I wanted to see if I could if I could just find a third one that seemed like it was about fucking a rat, <laughs> so that I could then compose a GIF that was those three towns, and then tweet it with the caption, "Okay, settle down, Australia." <laughs> but I could not find a third town that seemed like it was about fucking a rat. So there was one called Pigeonhole. <laughs> And then another one that seemed like it was kind of also about fucking a bird. So it, it's only this tweet pairs. probably exists in there somewhere. Um, anyway, <laughs> good night, guys. <laughs> Bye. Everybody. Good night. <laughs>